In last week's episode, I introduced you to The Trade Squad, which is my new TV show coming out on my YouTube channel called the SC Supply Chain TV. If you haven't subscribed yet, go to letstalksupplychain.com and subscribe under the SC. And if you want to listen and get to know my co-hosts for the show, Audrey Ross and Leah Gould-Haas, make sure you go and check out that episode. That will be at letstalksupplychain.com dot com forward slash season two dash episode 59. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With Border Buddy's new revolutionary self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes, and customs fees to import your products into North America. To get 10% off your first clearance, sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I just want to send a huge thank you to the community for all your love and support. Not only for the show and the podcast, my downloads are growing like crazy, but for the blog, the new Woman in Supply Chain blog series and all of the thought leader pieces that I am showcasing on the blog as well. And then lastly, thank you to everybody who has subscribed to my YouTube channel called the SC Supply Chain TV. You're not going to have to wait too much longer because the video series is almost ready to be released. I have two of them in the queue, plus a mentorship video and the Trade Squad TV show. We just did the taping. I'm going through editing now and should have it up for you end of April. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you go to letstalksupplychain.com and it the subscribe button is actually under the SC. So on today's episode, Nino Lo Lacono is coming to us from Italy. He is a Forbes featured entrepreneur in supply chain. He's an IoT last mile delivery expert. So I thought it would be great to learn more about his journey, his journey in entrepreneurship in supply chain and find out his thoughts about IoT in supply chain. We will get to know him a little bit more in just a minute, but first it's time for listeners corner. So this week's question of the week came from Matt from Tennessee. What do you do to find supply chain talent? Where do you go? How do you look for talent? So I have posted actually a couple of links to some articles that I found when I was doing my research for this. And Michelle DeVivo, she actually, she's going to be coming up in my Woman in Supply Chain series on the podcast. So you're going to want to look out for that. But what she says is, for me, I stay fairly active on LinkedIn and in my networking groups. I also think that good people refer good people. 
And with that said, I am a big believer in employee referrals. No matter how big of a mouthpiece you have or your reach, as a recruiter, no one person can reach as many people by themselves as a team of people can. Start with hiring the right people, treat them well, and you have a built-in network that will sell itself. Kenneth Petch, he says blackmail, blackmail, LOL, just kidding. So that's just some of the few answers that we got. Go to letstalksupplychain.com under listeners corner and you can find all of the past questions and answers and link to some of your favorite answers and people on LinkedIn. Remember to follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram so you can get in on the conversations every single Wednesday. Plus send me your supply chain questions to listener at letstalksupplychain.com. Okay, so let's get to today's episode. Episode. I love it when we can go global and are able to get new perspectives and learn what is happening all over the world. So let's get to know a little bit m- more about Nino before we get to speaking with him. Nino is a tech entrepreneur currently based in Italy, combining his tech background and his business-oriented mindset. Nino loves to create new disruptive product solutions and services for both the B2B and B2C market. Nino started his career at Fiat Chrysler within the Mech mechatronics business units, but he couldn't blow out the entrepreneurship flame burning inside him and he ended up setting up his own venture in 2012, just three years after his degree. Nino believes that any organization should nurture the culture of being fearless of failure, obsessed about understanding the actual market needs and a creative thinker. Nino is extremely passionate about the very last mile of the supply chain, especially in B2C markets where all the differences between a great memorable service and a flawed experience usually takes place. Starting tech ventures from scratch and growing them internationally without losing the focus on sustainability represent the strongest fuel for this Italian entrepreneur. So welcome to the show, Nino. Hello, Sarah. It's great to be on your show. Yeah, all the way from Italy. We are going global again. I am so excited. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. And I'm really curious and excited to get to know a little bit more about you, get to know your journey. I mean, I do this all the time with women in the industry, but I think that it's going to be amazing to walk through that with you today. So why don't you tell us about your journey in supply chain? How did you get started and what have you done in the space? Well, sure. I started my journey back in 2012, working on a project that ended up being my the seed of my previous company, whereas in a box. Uh, basically, with this company, we imagined to leverage traditional vending machine strengths, like, you know, uh, reaching high traffic locations and low cost operations uh, in order to create a fully automated last mile delivery channel for retailers and brands. Uh, but it became immediately clear that in order to distribute and sell uh, high-value products instead of just snack and cans, together with high-value digital services, we had to build a new solution and technology from scratch. And that's what, where we started from. Um, we, we, we started with Wears in a Box in uh, 2013, and our automated point of sales grew in popularity. And uh, we were adopted basically by several retail chains in uh, Italy, Europe, and also in the U.S. 
Um, but I also follow it several projects related to inbound parcel management systems for large organizations, as well as high value products tracking for the healthcare sector. Um, I've always been uh, um, passionate about uh, the last mile delivery uh, leg uh, because I believe that, uh, especially for B2C industries, uh, because, you know, it's uh, the leg where all the differences between a memorable experience and a flowed service take place. And providing a memorable experience is also the goal and the driver that we have with uh, Fresco Frigo, which is the Italian for fresh fridge. And this is my current company. Um, with Fresco Frigo, we are deploying hundreds of smart IoT fridges with the goal to serve modern consumers with healthy daily made meals. I love that because, and I love the fact that you correlated last mile delivery with a memorable experience because I talk about this all the time. You know, supply chain, last mile delivery, the transportation, how long it takes for the goods to get from manufacturer to distribution location and then out the door to the customer, that is all tied to customer experience. So I love that you said, you know, the difference between memorable experience and um, what did you use? I think you used flawed experience flawed, or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I love that analogy. And so you started Warehouse in a Box back in 2013. And, you know, there's a lot of emerging technology these days. I mean, back in, in 2013, not, maybe not so much. Um, but these days it seems like there's a lot and there's a lot of startup in the supply chain space. And I just want to find out from you, you know, what was it like to be a startup in supply chain? Uh, well, I cannot hide the fact that starting a company from scratch in this field is quite challenging. Um, as you, as you know, the industry and the whole value chain are regulated by consolidated rules, behaviors and standards that represent very high barrier to entry for newcomers. Uh, in our particular case with Warehouse in a Box, uh, we wanted to create a fully automated last mile distribution channel. Uh, disrupting the vending machine industry, which is also one of the most consolidated industry here in Italy. Um, and at the same time, our target, target customers, retailers and brands had never used or even seen, um, fully automated distribution channel before. So we had in front of us several monumental challenges. But uh, honestly, the, the, the whole process, at least for me, was also very fulfilling because the market constantly challenges you and asks you to demonstrate the value that you bring uh, to the table. So these are the conditions that for me and my team and the team that I built so far are the, you know, uh, the condition where we perform uh, and we give our best. Absolutely. And I mean, 2013 was kind of before investment in supply chain became sexy, I guess, right? Because, you know, Flexboard has kind of brought that sexiness to investment in supply chain. So how did you find fundraising for your project? Did you bootstrap it? Did you, were you able to find VCs that could see the value in this particular product in supply chain? 
Well, actually, I raised money from all sorts of investors. Uh, I started uh, with a crowdfunding campaign, raising 500k uh, euros uh, from several business angels and private investors. Um, so we, we use not, not a platform like Kickstarter where you, you get, you, you, you sell products, but you, you give away equity of the company actually. Uh, following that seed round, we also raised, uh, money from, uh, corporate venture capital funds and venture capital funds. We raised in total 3 million euros and we then moved the company forward with, you know, paying customers. Wow. I love that you started with a crowdfunding campaign. I mean, that is, you know, not, it's, it's something that you hear about for typical, you know, B2C products, but not necessarily something that you hear about all the time for B2B, B2B really. So, you know, that's, that's really interesting. And I'm glad that it was successful for you because, you know, sometimes the crowdfunding can be hit or miss. Um, but it sounds like you did it really well. So then I want to ask you, what advice would you give to supply chain startups today? Uh, well, if I look back, there, there are several things that I do differently, but uh, I have three main suggestions for startups moving in this field today. So um, the first one is during the very first steps, it's fundamental to understand where to focus your energies and your attention. So the, the only way not to waste time and money is to talk to as many people involved in the industry you're targeting as possible. So ask these people questions and understand their daily headaches uh, is the only thing that can help you to put the effort on the areas that really matter. Uh, and also, it's a great way to gain a deep knowledge of the customer. And of course, as you know your customer, you also know how to pitch them. The second advice um, I'd give uh, my fellow entrepreneurs is to test the product or service as soon as you can uh, in, uh, in, a, in a real environment, so with real customers and users. Uh, it's so much better to implement progressive improvement, improvements rather than spending time and money in the lab and, you know, ending up with something with, that nobody cares about. Uh, the last thing, this is an error that I've done so many times, uh, focus your attention only on your ideal customers. So those customers who actually have the issue that you're solving. Uh, try to, you know, stretch the product features in order to sell it to anyone is, in my opinion, a huge mistake. And I definitely try to avoid it. Yeah, I've heard that one before, because especially on the technology side, you can have customers that come up with ideas that will help them particularly in their business um, that will change sort of your your focus to that particular project and take the eye off the prize. Exactly. That's true. Okay. All right. So that, that's mm -hmm. really good advice and I love that. So one of your endorsements on LinkedIn, um, when I was doing my research for this interview, um, said that you're very good at negotiation. Um is this a skill that we need in supply chain? And what are your secrets to a good negotiation? 
you know, uh, good negotiation skills are always uh, useful. So uh, in my experiences, I've always had to put together large organizations like retail chains, industrial operators with small teams and companies like our own startup. So uh, when you when you lead an innovation project in this kind of scenario, the main challenge you face is not just negotiating good deals and terms, but the, the real main challenge is to have all the parties aligned and synchronized toward the, 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 the long-term vision and goal. Um, as you know, long, large organizations have to follow certain procedures and standards while startups move faster, but following uh, to a certain extent a more chaotic path. Uh, so this is where your negotiation skills have to arise if you want to see the, the, the project take off. And uh, I'm kind of specialized in negotiation, negotiating in this scenario. And um, the two secrets I, I use are very quite, quite simple. Uh, the first one, especially if you're a startup negotiating with a large organization, the very first thing that you have to do is to share the long-term vision you have for your company. You have to, to be specific in explaining how you're going to scale the company and how you're going to reach the, the, the results and the target that you have um, planned. Uh, you also have to show your passion fearless, fearlessly with, for the project you're, you're working on. So this will build up strong confidence towards you and which is fundamental to, to move forward, uh, in the negotiation process. The second more general suggestion is to understand that, uh, any negotiation should bring value to, to all the parties involved. So the, 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 one of the things that I always do is to put myself in the other party's shoes in order to understand what value the other party has to bring to his company. And again, this is something that um, is fu fundamental to build trust and overcome the, those initial barriers that can put at risk the, the whole deal. Absolutely. And that can be, you know, um, that can be put to really anything, right? Even like a networking opportunity as well. You know, what put them in, put yourself in their shoes when you're networking with somebody, what value do you bring to them? It's got to be about other people and about the other parties and not about just yourself, exactly. right? How can we bring value to each other? And I think that that's not only a really great advice in negotiation, but it's a really great advice in business in general, right? Because I, I am a true believer that there is enough to go around. Um, we don't need to create enemies and, and, um, competition. <laughs> There's, there's strengths and weaknesses to everybody. And I think that that's where collaboration is really going to be the future of business. And I talk about this in the show all the time. So I love, love, love that you said that. I so, couldn't agree more. Good, good, good. So I, I'm on the right track then, am I? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you are a self-proclaimed IoT expert. So Internet of Things expert as well. Where do you see the use cases for IoT in supply chain or maybe more specifically in last mile delivery? 
Um, well, I believe that IoT can provide benefits to a wide range of industries, and I'm sure that the cost decrease, decrease will determine a fast and progressive massive adoption of this technology. Um, a specific and quite interesting use case I'm currently following as a tech advisor is related to the medical device industry. Um, in Italy and Europe, I'm not sure how it works in uh, North America, medical devices, uh, medical device manufacturers like Johnson & Johnson, Medtronic, and so forth, supply their products to hospitals uh, with a consignment stock model. So while medical devices, so these products are physically stocked into the hospital, um, the supplier is still the owner of those assets until they are actually implanted into patients. Uh, this model has a lot of benefits, but also a lot of downsides, like inventory stock discrepancies, inefficiencies that determine a lot of expired products, late payments, and, and so forth. Uh, we have tested a fully automated tracking system leveraging IoT technologies, and results were really, really impressive. We have re reduced uh, the 80% of all inefficiencies and inventory discrepancies. So I believe that IoT in this specific industry will, uh, will play a huge role. Yeah, and I think that once the concept has, you know, taken flight in that particular sector, um, it'll just roll into the other sectors as well, maybe in different, maybe slightly different forms because of the, the different, um, you know, issues and challenges that other industries may have. Um, but I think that that's a really good use case and example to, to start with, obviously, because medical, mm -hmm. you know, it's high value, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes exactly. it, it, uh, it's perishable, you know, sometimes it's temperature controlled. So that is a really good one to, to start with and really get out all the kinks and, and make sure that it's, it's working so that we can translate that into other industries. Mm -hmm. So, and then you brought up another really good point because you were talking about the differences in supply chains and how, you know, companies and teams are working differently around the world. And you have worked with a lot of companies and teams all over the world. Can you talk a little bit about how different it is to work in supply chain, let's say in Italy, maybe versus the Far East or maybe Italy versus the US or North America? For sure, yeah. I, I, I like two different um, things, one related to customers and one related to, you know, technical teams. Uh, when it comes to customers, uh, North American companies are usually eager to test and introduce innovation in order to, you know, improve their customer experience, despite the physiological risk of failures with, with new things. While in Italy and Europe, I've dealt with more conservative companies uh, that were willing to adopt or embrace innovations only as a follower rather than as a first mover. So this is one uh, major difference that I've noticed in, in my experience. When it comes to tech teams instead, uh, of course, I'm Italian, so this might sound a little bit, you know, uh, biased, uh, but um, Italian tech teams and engineers are usually uh, unique in finding uh, um, solutions. So they, they have, uh, they are extremely creative in, uh, in problem solving. 
And these, you know, compensate the fact that sometimes they are not the best in following procedures as in other countries like the US or, uh, or even China, for example. That's interesting. And I think that Canada takes kind of the same stance as Europe, because when it comes to innovation technology, they're not usually the first ones. Um, as movers and shakers, they're a little bit more conservative. But it's nice to hear that our neighbors to the south um, are that way. You know, they like to take risks. They're eager to test. They want different experiences and they want to be able to make those inefficiencies more efficient. And they're putting an emphasis on that customer experience that I like. So, um, you know, working with different teams, you talked about it from a customer standpoint and a tech team sort of standpoint, but maybe from a corporate standpoint, what did you learn from that experience as far as supply chains? Are European companies, because I know in North America, you're a uh, companies are putting more of an emphasis on supply chain, right? People with a supply chain background, supply chain professionals are now getting a seat at the table, you know, the boardroom table. They're, they're looking at supply chain as being that competitive advantage, really. Um, are they doing the same in the Far East and Europe as well? Or is that is supply chain still kind of an anomaly? Well, maybe we are not that advanced from that point of view in, uh, in Europe. I'm not sure about in uh, um, the Far East, but for sure in Europe, um, those kind of skills uh, are sort of um, undervalued uh, right now. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I just wanted to ask because obviously, you know, we sort of look at it from different points of view, you being in Europe, you know, myself being in North America, I do a lot of different interviews with, with people globally, but mostly with people in North America. And it's really great to sort of hear what's happening globally um, and not just sort of in our backyard. So I want to talk a little bit about the future. We've talked about, you know, supply chain startups and IOT and use cases for that. But what is your crazy prediction for the future of supply chain. What do you see in the next five to 10 years? Oh, uh, well, this is extremely difficult to, to answer. Uh, of course, we have trends already taking place before our eyes, like, you know, AI, blockchain, and delivery with, uh, with robots. And of course, while these technologies will play a significant role in, you know, reaching operation ex excellence, uh, I believe that there is a, there is a huge gap in the way customers' needs and expectations are satisfied today, especially when it comes, uh, to last mile delivery and personalized services. So I believe that the companies that, uh, will be able to close these gaps first will gain a huge and long lasting competitive advantage. Okay. Great. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about block. Well, there was a lot of talk about blockchain and now you don't hear about it so much anymore. Mm -hmm. what, what's your take on blockchain? Is it coming back? Are people like working on it in the dark and then it's going to come back into the light? <laughs> uh, I believe that, uh, you know, uh, there is still the need to demonstrate how um, useful blockchain can be in uh, in this space actually in a wide range of spaces uh, not just supply chain so um i believe that it is a very interesting enabling technology 
but we we will have to wait some some more years in order to to see uh, actual useful applications of this technology. Okay. All right. So um, you are doing some incredible things, not only in supply chain, but just in the technology space. And so before we go, I want to ask you, what is next for Nino? What are you working on? Tell us everything that you're doing. Well, as I said before, I'm, I'm extremely passionate about the very last leg of supply chain and merging these with technology is, you know, the, the thing that um, I love the most. Uh, just because, you know, the, the, the last, last leg of supply chain is exactly the phase where all the customers' expectations and desires take place. So it's very, easy to amaze the customer, but also to disappoint him in, in, in that particular phase. So my long-term goal is to use technology and in order to create products and services that can help retailers and brands keep their promise with the, with the customer. And uh, in order to reach this goal um, in the short term, my, my, my activity will, uh, will be focused on growing Fresco Frigo in Europe and in the U.S. in, uh, in the coming months. Great. Well, I am going to have all the information on the website so people can start connecting with you and they can learn more about Fresco Frigo. Um, in this episode, we have heard so much. You've given us so much to think about, especially for supply chain startups and other supply chain professionals in the industry that are maybe even thinking to get thinking about getting into maybe the startup space. You've given us advice there. You've talked about your secrets to negotiation. And we've also spoken about, you know, a really good use case for IoT because we we hear about IoT all the time, but the use cases and the examples and putting it into context is really what is super, super important. So I hope everyone had a paper and pen handy to take <laughs> some notes because I think there was a lot of valuable information in this episode. If you would like to connect with Nino on LinkedIn, find the show notes for reference or learn more about the show, go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 60. And thank you, Nino, so much coming from Italy for coming on the show today. Thank you, Sarah. That was great. If you liked this episode, make sure to go and check out some of the other episodes I have done on Last Mile Delivery. One is with Osman um, from Simply Deliver. The next is with Jonathan from DHL that I just recently did a few weeks ago. And then we also had Go Shippo in the first season of the show. And that's under podcast at Let's Talk Supply Chain. Com. Next week, I am speaking to the spend management experts. Let's face it, freight spend is one of the biggest costs to your business, but super, super important. You want to keep those costs in check, not necessarily low, but in check and keep making sure that your supply chain is moving efficiently and using it as your competitive edge and your strategy. So join me next week as I speak to Melissa from Spend Management and we will get down to the bottom of it. If you would like to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. One is through the Supply Chain Dictionary. It's 107 pages full of definitions and acronyms that you're going to need to succeed in supply chain. Go to shop at letstalksupplychain.com 
and uh, you can purchase it there. Please rate and review the show so other people can find us. It's super important. My downloads are growing and I want to say thank you to those that have rated and reviewed the show because the community is only growing and getting bigger and we can learn from one another. Go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com. It is the technology platform that I have been working on with my team and uh, we are into development. We are getting things done. And if you want to be one of the first people to know about it, make sure you go and sign up at ships.com. Lastly, follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and now YouTube. Go and subscribe to that channel because I have some amazing content, some amazing videos that are going to come out and you're not going to want to miss that. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Have an amazing day. And remember, everybody, ship happens.